Let's pray together. Lord, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your calling upon our lives. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for the honor and the privilege of gathering around your word Sunday after Sunday. Uh, and these are your words, the very words that you spoke, uh, the very words that you had for us. Uh, you knew even as, as you spoke these words and, and, and put them uh, into writing and used people to record them, you knew about us and what we would need and what we would need to hear. And, and even you knew about this day uh, and the message that would go forth. So, Lord, we just thank you for the power that's in your word. And uh, we pray again today that your word would, uh, would just speak to us, that it would, your word would open our eyes and open our hearts, and that we would do your will. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. We're continuing in uh, the Beatitudes, and uh, we're looking at blessed are the peacemakers. And I'm going to back up and read uh, all the Beatitudes again, and then end with verse 9. Uh, grab your Bibles or you can follow along here on the screens. Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or daughters of God. Thanks be to God for His holy word. Amen. Well, peace, and specifically peacemaking, uh, is our subject today. And if you were to do a search for the word peace, or peaceable, or peaceably in Scripture, you would find uh, at least 450 references to peace. And in fact, if you stop and think about it, the Bible begins with peace in the Garden of Eden, and it ends with peace for all eternity. John MacArthur notes that the spiritual history of humankind can be chartered based, charted based on the theme of peace. Humankind had peace in the garden, but we interrupted that peace with our sin. However, at the cross, Jesus made peace a reality once again. He became peace for all who would put their faith in Him, who so that peace can now reign in our hearts and in our lives. Someday He will come again as the Prince of Peace and establish a kingdom of peace, and there will be an eternal age of peace. All of salvation history can be charted again by the word peace. But sadly, a fundamental fact of history is that peace does not characterize our existence, does it? According to the book, The Lessons of History, written in 1968 by historians Will and uh, Ariel Durant, war is one of the constants of history, and it has not dis dis diminished with civilization or democracy. Durant goes on to say that in the last 3,400 years of recorded history, 
only 268 have seen no war. So only 8% of documented history has not experienced war. And even during that 268 years, there has been animosity between nations and skirmishes and civil unrest and protests and so forth. Our own history of some 250 years includes, if if you just calculate the, the major wars over 150 years of our 250 in war. And, of course, this history was written in 1968, this book. War seemed to be almost a constant since then. In fact, war is being raged even now in, in places like Ukraine. And sadly, we, you and I hear of violence on the nightly news or on our news feeds. Uh, of course, many solutions have been offered. Some say, you know, let's just follow the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that's great. That would probably work, but nobody can perfectly keep the golden rule, at least not by our own will. Peace is impossible based on human will alone. And so that's the first thing you and I need to say as we come to this beatitude, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Like all the other beatitudes, this one is impossible to keep apart from the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But I get ahead of myself. We must first define what's a peacemaker. Who are they? What do they look like? How do they make peace? Let's begin with the word peace. And again, I want to quote uh, from MacArthur. He writes, The peace of which Christ speaks in His Beatitude and about which the rest of Scripture speaks, is unlike that which the world knows and strives for. God's peace has nothing to do with politics, armies, and navies, forums of nations, or even councils of churches. It has nothing to do with statesmanship, no matter how great, or with arbitration, or compromise, or negotiated truces, or treaties. The most that mankind's peace can offer is a truce. And that's just the temporary cessation of hostilities. So let's begin by realizing we're talking about God's peace, not the world's peace. And God's peace and the origin of that peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which carries with it the idea of wholeness, the idea of well-being, When a Jew wishes someone shalom, it's more than the absence of trouble. It's more than the absence of conflict. It's a desire for a complete and a whole life. And that complete and whole life is found by being in right relationship with God. And that right relationship, folks, can only be found by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been justified... By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The second half of Jesus' word is, of course, the word makers, which requires us to understand that a peacemaker is not passive. A peacemaker is a source of peace. 
A maker is dynamic. A maker is active. A maker is bursting with energy. So peace and maker together describes one who is actively pursuing peace in its fullness. A peacemaker wants more than the absence of conflict. He or she pursues wholeness for himself and for others. That said, we, you and I can further define what a peacemaker is by saying uh, what a peacemaker is not. Professor Kent Hughes says it much better than I, and he writes, a peacemaker is not the kind of person who is always easygoing, who does not care what anyone else does as long as it does not directly affect him. Neither is the peacemaker always tolerant. You do your thing and I'll do mine. Nor is the peacemaker an appeaser, the kind who wants peace at any price. Appeasement does not make for peace. It just puts off the conflict. You want to know about appeasement? Talk to Europeans who may still be living of the mid to late 1930s who tried over and over again to appease Adolf Hitler. It didn't work. It led to tragedy. Appeasement is not always the answer. A peacemaker, what Hughes has talked about here is a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. A peacemaker is not afraid to make waves if it will ultimately make for peace. So what characterizes a peacemaker? Well, he or she is honest. If there's a conflict, he or she admits it. Regarding false prophets, God said in Ezekiel 13, beginning with verse 9, My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. Precisely because they have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain and you, O great hailstones, will fall and a stormy wind break out. God's point was this, declaring peace when there is no peace Declaring peace without dealing with the conflict is like painting over a wall without dealing with the source of the cracks. If you don't deal with the source of the conflict, the cracks keep coming back. And so does the conflict. You see, a peacemaker does not merely smooth over the situation. He or she sometimes must be painfully honest about the failures in a relationship, including, including their own failures. A peacemaker does not pretend. They, they do not declare peace when there is no peace. They don't go looking for trouble, but they honestly try to deal with troubles. A peacemaker is also willing to risk some pain. It's just inevitable that when you and I try to reconcile the situation, there's going to be some misunderstanding. We're going to have some failures along the way. Sometimes try as we might, our words are just going to come out wrong. Youth, we may deal with some of that. 
this week as we're together. And if we're the one who's wrong, there's going to be the pain of, of admitting our failures and apologizing. If the other party is wrong or at least shares in the wrong, there's going to be the pain of them admitting their failures and apologizing. And then there's that, that pain of, of correcting another person. Unless you're just harsh, nobody likes to rebuke someone all the time. We, don't, we tend to avoid confrontation. But a peacemaker is going to take the risk because they know continuing to let things slide is only going to make it worse. It's only going to make it worse. Though it's a bit of a paradox, a peacemaker is going to fight for peace. Ken Hughes says that they will wage peace instead of waging war. That will wage peace instead of war. It's perhaps what St. Francis of Assisi had in mind when he prayed, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hate, may I bring love. Where offense, may I bring pardon. Where may I bring union in place of discord. Now folks, i got to say that a peacemaker seeks to be gentle. He or she doesn't see their calling to be honest as a license to kill, so to speak, with their words. Okay, The goal is not to tear someone down. The goal is to restore the relationship. A peacemaker is humble enough to understand that he or she is also imperfect, that he or she is also at fault. A peacemaker keeps his ego in check and tries to be gentle and loving. But a peacemaker is willing to be honest about his or her own faults as well as those of another. They're not satisfied with what we might call cheap peace, they're not just going to whitewash over a conflict. They're willing to work for the peace. This may be the hardest of all Beatitudes. It's a lot easier to preach than it is to practice, I can tell you that. But you know, God and His Son, Jesus, are the ultimate peacemakers. God saw the gravity of our problem. Our problem was we're not at peace with Him. And it was clearly our fault. And the fault was our sin. But God refused to just sweep it under the rug. Instead, He was honest. He was honest about our problem and He risked the pain and He went to work to make peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Colossians 1, For in Him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. God made peace for us. Peacemaking is a radical calling. But it's our calling. As Jesus made peace for you and I, we're, we're called to make peace with one another. And the calling in this beatitude, like all the other beatitudes, must begin with a heart change. 
The, the calling to peacemaking requires that you and I have peace with God. We, we cannot be a peacemaker until we have found peace. Without grace, we're natural enemies of God. We're natural enemies of one another. Our hearts must be changed. We simply cannot give what we do not possess. It's futile to try to make peace with others if you and I are walking civil wars. Peacemaking must begin with trusting in the peace God offers in the blood of the cross, in the blood of Jesus. And then we must ask God to empower us by His Spirit to be honest, to take the risk to work for peace. Did you know Jesus said in this beatitude that peacemakers are the ones who have the honor of being called sons and daughters of God, children of God? That's because peacemakers are, are partakers of the character of God. They make peace like He made peace for us. So while peacemakers aren't afraid to make waves and to take risks, they're also not troublemakers. They're also not people who go around spreading rumors and who gossip about others. If you're constantly sowing seeds of discontent, if you find great joy in stirring up trouble all the time, if you're always critical, always fault-finding, if you're totally unwilling to be involved in peacemaking, here's where i got to be honest. You need to come to Jesus' moment. Because you may not be a child of God. I don't want to be negative, but if we're stirring up trouble all the time, we need to pray about it. And listen, like all the other Beatitudes, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall into arguing. We're going to fall into fault finding. Some days we're going to be ornery. I'm scared to preach this sermon because I'm going away in 100 degree weather with 10 teenagers. Y'all probably going to look at me and say, we need some peacemaking, Danny. Right? We all mess up. But that shouldn't be the, the, a regular characteristic of the children of God, that we are blaming others, that we're fault-finding, that we're gossiping and so forth. You see, the risk of a message like this, here's the real risk of a message like this. Uh, some of us are going to hear this and we're going to say, you know what, so-and-so really needs to hear this. I sure wish old Joe was here today to hear this. You know, Joe's probably watching the live stream and saying, I hope they're here today to hear this. He's thinking, I hope you're here. He's probably thinking, I hope Danny's here to really hear this. Are we peacemakers? Are we 
willing to honestly yet gently get to the source of conflict? Are we willing to risk the pain in order to find healing? Will we work for peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of the living God. Let's pray together. Lord, messages like this strike me with fear and trembling. And yet, they're in Your Word. And it's truth. And it's truth we must deal with. Because, Lord, I, I know when we, when we preach and hear a message like this, that we're going to walk out and we're going to get in our cars Maybe even there, there's going to be a disagreement. Maybe there was already a struggle this morning as we came to worship. Lord, maybe, though we don't want to admit it, you're, you're calling to mind even now someone that we, we must make peace with. So Lord, would you empower us to truly make peace, to seek after peace in our lives and in the lives of others, to seek after wholeness and, and their well-being. We thank you for the peace you've given us in Christ. And we know that apart from Jesus, there's no lasting peace. So we, we pray, first of all, that, that everyone gathered here would know that peace which passes all understanding, that peace that comes from being in right relationship with you. Make us peacemakers. I pray that we'd be gentle. Gentle in our own failures. Gentle with others when they fail. That we would not be so quick to tear people down, but to restore the relationship. To be honest enough to bring restoration. Lord, help us to take the risk of reaching out to someone we need to make peace with. They may reject it. We don't know. But give us that courage. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would continue to actively pursue peace. Empower us to work for peace each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.